Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. Be into your name, King Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everything that you've done and everything you're going to do here. And Lord, I just ask that your name would be lifted high in this place one more time. One more time. One more time. And Lord, Lord, have your way in our hearts today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Uh, Actually, stay on your feet. (laughs) I love this. It's like torture. There's nothing worse than a Sunday morning. Like, oh, the preacher wants me to stand. Like, (laughs) just put your hand on the shoulder of someone. And I want you to pray something really dangerous over them really quick. Because I, I feel like, every, like nobody, nobody wants to pray for themselves for like, to give their lives away. Because they, they know they're going to have to give something up. But, but a lot of people don't have that fear of praying that over somebody else. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, and I'm not joking, this isn't like cute... I want you to pray that God breaks them, wrecks them, and takes them out of their comfort zone. Just destroys everything that is not of him in their life right now. Come on. And I want you to pray. No wimpy prayers. Just really quick. Come on. Actually, prophesy over them. Call those things that are not as though they are right now. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask God that you would take them out of their boat, take them out of their comfort zone, take them out of, out of, out of complacency. Lord, and I ask today, God, with radical love, Lord, Gord, Gord, not Gord, God, (laughs) Lord, fill me with Starbucks and your Holy Spirit today. Lord, with radical love, God, I ask that you would take them, take them, take them, use them, God, in Jesus' mighty name. We break fear of man. I break fear of failure now in the name of Jesus. I break fear of death now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just ask for more in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And Father, and I want you to pray this over them very quickly. I want you to break all excuses now. That that, that, that desire to make excuses, that it, would just, that it would just die this morning. Yeah. Father, we break all excuses in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that you would take them. Come on. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. You guys alive? Okay. Rule one. You got to talk to me. Don't sit there and stare at me. It's weird. I, I didn't come to Iowa for just like, oh, wow, this is a Sunday morning. Great. No, 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 no. I don't leave my wife and kids for that. I don't, I'm not joking. If I did, I would be a prostitute. If I left my wife and kids just to come and get a check, that would make me a, pro- a prostitute. And that's not what I do. Uh, it's not why I leave my wife and children. They're far too valuable for a check. Okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for whatever happens, but I didn't come here for your money. I came here for you. And, and I believe that God wants to do something radical today in your life. Okay? I, I need to set a couple of rules, though. And, and I never used to do this, but I do this now. Uh, number one, don't stare at me. It creeps me out. And because of my ADD, like, I can't get past that. So if you're just like, like, I'm going to dwell on that. I'm going to be like, they don't, they don't understand me, God, what's happening. And then I'll just hit the same point over and over and over and over and over again. 
So I need you guys to talk to me a little bit. Number two is if the Holy Spirit comes on you while I'm sharing, uh, don't sit there. If you stay in your seat, that's weird. Jesus said, I can do, I can only do what I see the father doing. And if the father's moving on you, which is why I give my life, I want you to stand to your feet. And it looks very simple. If you were here last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just stand up and I want to bless you. I want to pray for you. I I only want to do what I see the father doing. And I see what the father is doing, uh, in the spirit, but I also see it when you acknowledge what God's doing. And if God grabs a hold of you, why would you want to sit? Why wouldn't you want to do something with what he's done? Number three, uh, the Bible says edify yourself daily. And so I might need you to edify me. Never mind. Okay. No, we won't do that. Okay. Scratch that last one. Are you guys awake? First of all, my name's will I'm married. Sorry, ladies. No, (laughs) this is going South pastor. I apologize. I apologize. You know, you just pick things up in the spirit and I don't want to go around. (laughs) I just don't want to go around uh, healing the brokenhearted and then breaking hearts. So I just wanted to throw this one out there. Bang taken three kids married 15 years. You can always get a good old clap out of a congregation when you mention healthy marriage. They're like, yay! 15 years, three kids. My first two were born on the missions field in Mozambique. We had a book, uh, Where There Are No Doctors, a book for midwives. Uh, I married uh, just the toughest, the toughest woman I, I met. Uh, men, if you want to look for a bride, just find the toughest, most burly one that will birth a child on the missions field. And, uh, and you're going to just be winner, winner, chicken dinner all day along. I met my wife on the missions field. I was 17. I moved to Paraguay when I was 17. I failed all, like all grades in high school. I thought Paraguay was in Africa. Um, but it's not, it's in South America. And, and I got invited to Paraguay. I was like, I've always wanted to go to Africa, but I ended up in, in South America. I'm not joking. I'm actually not joking. Uh, and I met my wife down there. Uh, I, I looked in, 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 in this church and, and I saw her sitting in the back and, and, uh, I was like, yeah, come on, Jesus, you love Latinas. And, and I love that one. And, and that night she came up to me and she was like, Hey, you look like you're struggling. Cause I failed Spanish one, three times in high school, three times I failed it. I'm not joking. Uh, they actually made a rule in my high school that was going to allow me to graduate without finishing three years of, or two years of a language. And they were like, he's basically dumb. So, so yeah. And they put me in three special needs classes that year. So they could justify letting me graduate. (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's not that far fetched. Like I could see that. Yeah. So I had three special needs classes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, this is going to be a good morning. I don't even. Okay. So I had three special needs classes. And, uh, like I would sit in the room with a kid with a helmet hitting his head on the, on the wall. And that's that I had a teacher that would follow me around. Her name was Mrs. McConnell, sweet lady. She would follow me around from classroom to classroom. And uh, I don't know why I'm sharing this. Now I speak, (laughs) you're like, come on, Jesus, there's more of that for you. Yeah. Uh, and now, and now I speak uh, three languages. I'm working on my fourth uh, I, I spend, I spend my life uh, managing a multi-million dollar, uh, organization 
giving my life away. I, I speak for anything from presidents to uh, movie stars to the poorest of the poor and everything in between. Uh, billionaires and executives. Um, we just had Google and leaders of Google and Facebook. They came to my house last week, last week, hungry for a word and encourage an encouragement from God. What God does in a moment in your life as he takes a life given to him, freely given, wholly given over to him. Don't you dare say that he can't use you. Jesus rides into town on donkeys. He does it and he does it over and over and over again. And he takes the unusable and the broken and the worthless and he blows life into them. And he takes things that the world looks at and says that cannot work. And he uses it to confound the wise. And I just want to tell you something, even now, even now I am the last person that should be doing anything that I'm doing. I'm the last. I barely even have a high school education up to now. I failed Bible school, like in the first trimester. They were like, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not for you. And, uh, <laughs> and God's God. I break every lie in Jesus' name that says you cannot, you should not, and you will not in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. And break all normalcy in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would come and shake lives in the most beautiful way. Lord, every excuse. Lord, I break it now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just ask for more. More, more, more in the name of Jesus. I am going to do my best to pack 10 pounds of sugar into a 5-pound bag this morning. I want to go somewhere, but I need you to stay with me. Okay. I'm going to read out of the scripture because I love the word. And then I want to share a couple stories with you and, and we're going to go after God today. But, but, but from right on, from right now, you guys got to jump in this boat. Deal. It's so good to be back in Iowa. I, I honestly, like I've had some, some crazy encounters with the Lord here. I'll never forget when I first came here, it was with Dan Moeller and, uh, Man, I, I, the craziest thing happened was Dan like forgot his pants or lost his pants. Do you, how many of you guys remember what I'm talking about? If you don't, you're like, oh my God, why am I at this church right now? This guy's weird. He's attractive, but very strange. <laughs> right? Like Dan Moeller lost his pants and he put on Tim Berry's pants. If you don't know Tim Berry, he's about yay tall. <laughs> and Dan is a little bit taller than me. And he's like, Ooh, these things fit perfect. And I, I wouldn't have believed it unless I saw it with my own eyes. And he's like, God's a God of miraculous. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's pants. God, I, I don't know, but that shouldn't work. Like what, what is happening right now? Shouldn't be happening. And he's like, Jesus loves me. And he, and anyway, come, this is going South. Here we go. I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 10. Don't worry. You guys have your Bibles. I have one too. I'm going to read out of the NIV, but I'm going to go fast, but I would rather you stay with me than just like take notes. If you're a note taker, this probably isn't going to be the best service for you today. And, and, and if you take notes just to write it down and look busy and never look at them again, I would wonder, I would question what you're doing. I would rather you enter in. Okay. Luke chapter 10. I I love this because Jesus commissions the, the 70 or the 72 depending on your translation, he, he commissions them the exact same way he commissions the 12. And, and the reason why I love this verse so much is because he's talking to the masses. He's talking to uh, uh, the hungry ones. He's talking to a crowd that comes after the 12. He commissions the 12 and then he's like, okay, but we need more. This isn't just for the 12. And he, and he tells the 72 the exact same thing he tells the 12 and more even. He says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, 
Okay, so you know this. Good, you know the word. I love that. Good job, pastor. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out, 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 <laughs> like lambs, meh, right? Amongst, what? what? What's a wolf? <laughs> a wolf is a creature that is designed and put on this planet to kill lambs. Hello? Teeth, speed, agility, design, literally a flawless design. I actually worked at a wolf farm for a day in, in school when I was a student. One day, it was like, it was like one of those classroom projects, you know, like you're like, go and work with your dad or, you know, and, and I, there was a place called Wolf Hollow about a half hour from where I lived. I was like, I want to go work with wolves. So I called up Wolf Hollow and I was like, can I come work with the wolves? And she's like, no, you'll die. But you can come and like make wolf buttons that we sell in our gift shop. I was like, booyah, as long as I get to see a wolf. And I did. And I don't know if you've ever seen a wolf. Uh, <laughs> did you just howl at me? There's freedom in the house. Go for it, buddy. He was like, oh, like that. He just did one of those. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a wolf before, but they are insanely scary. They're larger than anything you've ever seen. Like they're huge. You know, everybody thinks of like a husky or, you know, a, I don't know, one of those wolf-like dogs. I don't think huskies are. I don't know what I'm talking about. I own a teacup Yorkie, so I should not be talking about this. I hate that thing. Uh, I'm praying that a hawk picks it up one day. Oh, whatever. Whatever. You know exactly. That thing. <laughs> you <laughs> Praise the lamb who was slain. Lord, take that teacup Yorkie out of my life in the mighty, mighty name. Oh, I literally just divided this church in half. <laughs> I bought it for my wife for her 40th. God, that was a mistake. You can't train those things. Back, come back, Holy Spirit. The things are massive, and I'll never forget standing on the other side of glass, right, as they fed these things deer carcasses. They, they, they would get roadkill, they'd throw them over the thing, and within moments... You know, this whole herd, not a herd, I don't know, pack of, <laughs> I'm sorry, my parents were artists, okay? I didn't grow up on a farm, okay? <laughs> the herd of wolves. Uh... <laughs> oh, God. Pastor, I'm so sorry. The whole pack of wolves devoured this thing. It freaked me out. I remember legitimately having nightmares for like eight years after that. I'm not joking. And Jesus uses this analogy. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. I'm sending you to the thing that's put on this planet and designed to kill you. Nobody likes that. We want to go as lambs amongst lambs. Meh. I'm pretty sure lambs do this in their spare time. We want to go to the things that make us feel comfortable. But Jesus was never in the job of making you feel comfortable. 
In fact, he would do whatever it takes to put people out of their comfort zone. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. And there's few workers. And he knows that you're willing to be a worker. He knows that you're willing to do the work of the gospel when you go and get stretched. How do you know what you carry? How do you know what you're actually carrying? You only know what you're carrying when you get put in a place where, where, you, where that thing gets tested. How do you know whether you're carrying the healing anointing? You have to pray for the sick. How do you know whether you raise the dead? You got to pray for dead bodies. How do you know whether you prophesy? You got to stand up in front of somebody and give them a word. And it has to be right from time to time. (laughs) Hello? How do you know what you carry? You only know what you carry when you're stretched. And Jesus did this constantly. My favorite, I mean, there's a million, there's a million stories or thousands at least. Is when Jesus takes the 12, the best Christians walking planet earth, and he puts them on a boat. He says, go ahead of me and prepare a place for me to come. You guys with me? Stay with me. And he sends them out to go and prepare a way for him. 12 of the best Christians get on a boat. And they're so excited. Yes, he's choosing us. He wants me. He wants to use me. And they get on this boat and they're high-fiving each other. The Bible doesn't say that, but... I have a creative, uh, I'm taking some creative uh, licensing here. And they go across the, the lake, and the Bible says in the middle of the night, the winds become contrary. Right? It gets windy, it gets stormy. And Jesus decides to appear to them early, early in the morning, when it's dark out, in the middle of a storm. He comes walking at them on the water. And you get to hear what's inside of the disciples at this point. They're very excited to be commissioned and sent out by Jesus. But when Jesus comes to them in a way that they don't like, you get to see what they actually carry. What are you actually carrying? I want to throw this question out. What do you carry? What's inside of you? And you never know until you get stretched. Now Jesus, he stretches the disciples at this point. As he stands there. On the waves, it wasn't, I, I love the, you know, the Christian felt boards that we grew up looking and do, do any guys know what a, what a felt board is? Oh, come on. It was like big screen TV back in the day, back in Sunday school. Come on, Jesus. Oh man, man, that little Sunday school teacher, <laughs> she would open up that little pl- like Ziploc bag packed full of felt, felt babies, put them up on the board. Everybody was like, Jesus was standing there like this. And there's this boat, disciples on it. No, it wasn't like that. It was windy, it was wet, it was crazy. There was no like lights. Like you got to picture this. You got to realize the way that Jesus did this. He did it in a petrifyingly terrifying manner. And he comes walking on the water and he's standing there and he goes, (laughs) it is I. And they're like, ah! Like they freak out. The Bible says that they yell at him. They scream at him at the top of their voices. Ah! And Jesus goes, do not be afraid. Why does he say that? Because they're riddled in fear. My jowls just made a noise that is... I apologize. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Whatever. Some of you guys would do the exact same thing. You shook your face like that on a microphone, it would sound the exact same way. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> I 
They look at Jesus and he goes, do not be afraid. Why? Because they're riddled with fear. Fear is faith in Satan. I believe I mentioned this last night and I'm going to mention it again. Fear elevates the lie of the enemy over truth. Most people do not give their life away to him. Not because they don't love him or they don't in their heart of hearts want to. Fear paralyzes them. Standing in front of a wolf paralyzes them. They, they put their faith more in the wolf than they do in who the king of kings says he is. Hello? Jesus is standing there. It is I. Do not be afraid. And they all scream. Ah! Except one man, Peter. He goes, yeah, I want that. That looks awesome. It, something inside of Peter that spent days with Jesus, days and days with Jesus goes, he told me, he told me a lot of things. He said, I can go after him. I can do stuff. I, I'm, I got, I got, I got the same spirit that was Christ from the dead lives in me. He didn't say that at this point, but you know what I'm saying? He goes, I want that. I want that thing. The invitation was for everybody in the boat. And here's the great thing. Are you ready? Jesus didn't say, who wants to walk on water? He didn't say that. He just said, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, if Jesus walked into this room today and said, it's me. Don't be afraid, guys. How many of you would just sit there and be like, wow, I wonder what he's going to say. I can't wait for another message. There is a difference between those that want to hear a message and those that want to run with Jesus, that want to actually be next to him. I need you to catch my heart on this. There is a difference between people that are, that are happy listening to a message and, and are happy running at Jesus. There, there's two types of believers on this planet. There's ones who sit and wait to be told what to do. And there's others who see him and go, I have to be with him. He's everything to me. All I want to do is be with him. Are you guys with me? Just stay with me. And Peter looks at him amongst, amongst 11 of the greatest believers walking planet earth. And he goes, I want that. What's inside of you? What's inside of you? Are you one that just wants to be happy that you're called and put on a boat? Called to prepare a way? Or are you the one that actually wants to be with him? Both are a calling. Both are set apart by him. Both are a choice by Jesus to send you. The reality is all believers are called. They're all told by Christ to go and prepare a way. All of us are. There isn't a single one of you. But there is a difference in the heart of men and women that stay on a boat looking at him, trying to figure out what's what. And somebody that goes, I want that. Now, Peter doesn't even know whether this is Jesus at this point. And you know that by what comes out of his mouth. Jesus, if it's you, come on. I bless you, man, in the name of Jesus. Be on your wildest dreams, man. Fire on him, God. Jesus, if it's you, radical faith and radical obedience and radical risk takes, takes place with this question. If it's you. And then he puts it back on Jesus. You bid me to come, Jesus. And Jesus' response to a funky faith moment 
It wasn't clean. It wasn't well executed. Jesus' response in a, in a weird faith moment, moment, if it's you, you bid me to come. He goes, come. I challenge you in the most beautiful way this morning. You are not, Jesus is not waiting for a pure, beautiful, here I am, Lord, take my life, please. He's not looking for that. And we all think he does because we hear these testimonies. And I love them and I preach them. And, it, and, it's this, and it's this image of the way that you should be when you're called into missions, when you're called to give your life away, when you're called. But all he's looking for is this. Lord, if it's you, you tell me to come. And he goes, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the heart of one who's around a bunch of believers that talk. Come on, stay with me. That are excited that they're chosen and used by him, but absolutely ignore him when he comes in a way that they don't like. What if Jesus came to you in a way that you don't like? Would you reject him? Just because of time, I don't have time, but Peter, oh, Peter walks. And when I grew up in church, here's the message. Don't take your eyes off Jesus, brother. You take your eyes off Jesus, you're going down. Come on, right? You're going down. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. You take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to sink. It's going to be bad. How dare Peter take his eyes off Jesus? How dare he? How dare he take his eyes off Jesus? But thank God Jesus was there to rescue stupid Peter. Come on, this is the message that I grew up with. Don't you dare take your eyes off Jesus. I love the fact that Peter sank. I love it. Honestly, and I'm not saying that to shock you. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in scripture. That in the middle of a radical miracle, in the middle of radical faith, in the middle of confusion, where Christians are, 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 are cowering in fear and one is, is beckoning a call that's, that's weird at best, that he can miss it. It means that there's, that there's room for me in this. You can miss it. You can take your eyes off Jesus in the middle of great risk. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And Jesus does not cut you out. He doesn't go back on the boat, Peter. No, he grabs him, pulls him alongside of him. Where was the safest place? On planet earth in that moment. Wet hips. Standing there, walking on the water. That was the safest place to be. Everybody knocks Peter for taking risk. And they ignore 11 men cowering in fear. The Bible says Jesus gets on the boat in another telling of the story. And the boat immediately reaches the other side. Immediately. They arrive at their destination immediately. Once Jesus gets on the boat, Jesus says, go ahead of me and prepare a place for me to come. He goes, I'm here. You go there and, and, and break crack open the ground. But when he gets there, he's already with them. They did not prepare a way for Jesus. Jesus put them on that boat to come at them in a way that they didn't like. 
Jesus sent them on that journey so he could come at them in the middle of the night to see this. To see whether they were men that talked. Come on, come on. You guys, don't, we talk, don't stare at me. It's creeping me out. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Are we a generation that talks? Are we a movement of disciples that talks? Lord, I want, I want the good things of you, but I, I don't want the difficult. Lord, I want, I want all the blessings and, and I want to be used by you. But Lord, let it be in a context that makes sense to me, that I understand, that, that makes sense to the men around me. There's so often Jesus comes and he calls us. He says, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And we look, we look at our, our friends that are in the same boat as us. And we go, what do you think? And they're like, ah, it's Satan. And we're like, oh, it's got to be Satan. What's a ghost? The disciples look at Jesus and they go, ah, it's a ghost. They basically look at the savior of the world and they go, Satan. Why? Because it doesn't fit their paradigm. I bless you in the name of Jesus. It doesn't fit their comfort zone. I want to put a point out here today. Your comfort is not as important to Jesus as you think it is. He is in the business of making you uncomfortable. Not for your whole life. Not so that he can torture you. That is, that is an old theology that does not work. But how does he know whether you are willing to go and do the things that you say you're going to do? He has to put you in a situation to see what you carry. To see whether you, you have this and not just this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are... Why are they few? Because most people, and, 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 and this always confuses me. Now, at the time when Jesus said this, there were few workers. But we are living in a time right now where the gospel is going at a rate that, that, that is unlike anything ever seen in the history of humanity. It is taking place at, a, at such a rapid pace. Like right now, I don't even have buildings. I don't even have buildings to put churches up with. I'm trying to find what's the cheapest building, what's the fastest thing I can put a, I can put a church up with. Because it's happening daily. Bang, church, 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 church. Over 5,000 churches planted. That's just in Mozambique. I was just with the Iran, Iranian leaders. My God, the underground church movement is going at such a fast pace. Jesus is revealing himself. He's actually revealing himself to people. Before they read the Bible, before they understand, the man dressed in white came to me in a vision. The man dressed in white told me to come here. The man dressed in white told me to be at this house. He is moving at such a fast pace. And no longer is it about your comfort level. And, and I love comfort. I, love, I have a minivan. I got a great bed. Oh, man, it's orthopedic. Like, I love that stuff. But I will not give away my birthright as a servant, as a bond slave unto Christ for any of those things. I've given them up a million times, and I will do it again. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Come on. Are you guys okay? This is, there is no condemnation in anything I'm saying. And if you catch it as condemnation, you are absolutely missing the heart of Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, it, but if something I'm saying is going, that's a good thing. 
It really is. It's a beautiful thing. It means that you, that you read the word and you get the message, but there's a disconnect with the sending of the word of Jesus and the actual practical when he comes to you in a way that you don't like. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Jesus himself takes the 72 and he says, I'm going to put you into the dangerous places. You want to know where I've seen the biggest revivals? You want to know where I've seen the greatest, the greatest moves of God? It's not in churches. And I've been a part of some major moves of God. Witchcraft festivals. Brothels. Patea, Thailand, the largest sex trafficking place on planet earth. Whole cities dedicated to debauchery. I've watched God come. Miracles breaking out. Salvations breaking out. Healings. I I saw radical healings in a place called Lucifer's Disco. Pimps getting saved, set free. Come on. Jesus, I learned something early on. That everything I've received is not for me. It's all for him. It's a life laid down. Freely you receive, now freely give. We would go, my, my mom, as, as I got brought up in a Christian family, I, I hated it. But she would go to Barnes & Noble and Borders Bookstore to buy her Christian, her Joyce Meyer, Myers books or whatever it was. And, and we would go down the aisle and we'd be, she'd be looking at books and I'd turn around. Because on the opposite side was the spirit, spiritists and witchcraft books. And I'd, and I'd walk around and she'd go, whack, on the back of the head. Mom! Don't look at that boy. If you look at that, it's going to get you. <laughs> and even though I understand the heart of a mother, like I understand that and now as a father with young ones, I'd, I'd whack them too, you know, <laughs> I understand her heart, but the reality is most Christians keep themselves in a place of safety, right? When Jesus is calling us into darkness, go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. He wants you to go to the wolves. Most of us, we don't know what we carry because the only time we test what we carry is amongst lambs. Do you know the only time, the major time that I deal with people like with issues of faith or is it with the church? I go to witchcraft festivals. They have tons of faith. It's in the wrong thing, but they believe that that the supernatural is going to take place no matter what. Most times where I have to work an atmosphere of faith and go, God, Lord, release your faith is in church services. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. It's verse nine. As you go, we do the kingdom. You guys okay? Heal the sick who are there. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Verse 14. The 72 return rejoicing. Yes! (laughs) You're killing me, guys. The 72 return rejoicing. Yes! And said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. When they say that, it's such a beautiful response. Like, I love this. They're like, they're blown away. They're shocked that God would use them. Oh my God, even the demons submit to us in your name. And that's when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the enemy. Nothing shall harm you. Nothing shall harm you. And and even as I say that, you're like, but Will, I've been harmed. 
I've been harmed. I went and I did that and I was harmed. I've been harmed. I've had guns pulled on me, knives pulled on me. I've lost children on the field. My sister, even my own sister, knifed right here in her arm. Four men jumped on her. I've buried missionaries. We just buried the son of missionaries. Just just last month. And I think if I can be really, really real, if I can be really honest, we are not dealing with whether God wants us or not. We all know God wants to use us. It is what do we do when we do not see the fruition of what we know to be true come to pass. It's how do we navigate this thing of going, God, I'm all in. And oh my God, I've lost everything. And you called me to be all in. And and I don't, and, 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 and it's going bad. And things are happening. Things have happened to my family. Things have happened to my children. Things are happening. But God, you said it was going to be good. Nothing would harm me. But oh my God, I'm feeling harm. And if, and if I can just be really bold, I would say, I would say most Christians, the, the difficulty of navigating that in their walk is the biggest thing that forms their theology. How do I handle when I give myself fully to him and it doesn't go the way that I want it to go? I bless you, girl, in the name of Jesus. Just a couple years ago, stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's my wife. It had been growing in her for two years. I've seen more cancer healed than I can count. More miracles than I can count. I've seen tumors literally fall out of people onto the floor. Yet, for two years, that thing grew inside of my wife. And the next thing I know, it's It's everywhere. How do you navigate these things? Most people do not give themselves fully to him because of the difficulty in navigating this. But I want to tell you something. Even if you play it safe, even if you figure it out, even if you, even if you just go, you know what, I'm just going to read and I'm going to get my books with the dove on the cover, you know, in the lighthouse beacon. I'm going to attend my conferences and I'm going to do my life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And God will love that and he will honor that and he will use you. But I'm not in a regular church. This is Heartland. And I know the inheritance that you carry at this place. I know the deep roots of revival. I know that this is a house that believes for the impossibilities of God. I know that this is not a normal house. This is not your regular church where they stand up, sit down, pay your tithes, and keep continuing on with your life. There is something deep-rooted in the DNA of this building, in the DNA of this house, where it's, it's God, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, whatever the cost, whatever it is, God, use me, here I am, God. And it's rooted in revival. It's rooted in the miraculous. The miraculous is not an option. And I'm not just talking about healing. The miraculous in your life, the miraculous in all of this is not an option. The miraculous with your finance, it's not an option. I need $30,000 a day to come into the ministry. $30,000 a day, a day. Just to maintain what God has already built. I need that $30,000 a day. And our ministry, we can't even ask. You'll never get a letter. You'll never get uh, uh, an email. You'll never get something like, hey, do you love these children? If you really love them, then you'd sow into them. We don't do that at our ministry. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just the founder's intent. It's, it's, it's where we believe if God is calling us and he has to provide for it. That's, that's, that's us. That's our house. Do you know in that I need the miraculous to break out every stinking day. I have two days, two days worth of reserves. And then it's all done. And some of you said, that's not, that's not wisdom, brother. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. When did we start taking the wisdom of the world and calling it God? A word of wisdom at its core is, is supernatural. A word of wisdom at its core is a gift of the spirit, which means it does not come through natural revelation. Now, can God use it? Yes. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I love that. I love that. I love that. But if you have made your faith so safe, if you have put in bowling, you know, in bowling, we used to have the bumper guards when I was a little kid, you know, you'd have the birthday party at the bowling alley. You know, you never miss. You never miss. Never miss. Just take a shot. Boop, boop, boop. It'll get there. If you have set your life up in a place of safety rails, where it all makes sense, I'm telling you, I get that, and I, and I understand the reasons why. There's seasons in my life when I've done that. But at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow, when I get into the Word, when I hear the words of Christ saying, lay your life down, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Follow me, he says. When Jesus spoke of the cross, he was not speaking of the golden thing around your neck. He wasn't. In the context, when Jesus said that to those people, he was speaking of a torture device. He had not yet gone up the cross. He had not yet been resurrected. Of course, he was speaking prophetically. But in the context of those people there, he was saying, hey, pick up this thing. It's going to cost you something. And see, when I preach this glorious gospel, and this is the gospel. When I preach this glorious gospel, every single believer in a room goes, I know that that's true. And then a decision comes in our heart of hearts, whether I'm going to be extreme. And the next thing is, oh, well, you're just extreme. I, I, I can pick it up in the spirit. You're just extreme. Yes. Of course I am. The same spirit that rose Christ in the dead lives in me, breathes in me, flows through me. You should do everything and greater, greater things than these should you do. And not only that, I have a context for the miraculous as all of you do, which I have a context for the supernatural provision of God in a situation to invade any time that I call upon his name. And that's deep inside of each and every one of you. So navigating a, a, a life in the world and a life walking with God is a challenge. And he gives us keys. He says, you want a key? Go to wolves. Hmm? Pick up your cross. Give your life away. James says this, true religion is tending to the orphan and the widow and looking after them in their distress. He goes, yeah, you want the most true form? Take care of the broken, the sick, the needy. And to keep yourself undefiled by the world. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I'm, I didn't preach that message. Christ did. 
which means this. If you're looking for your peace in this world, you're going to miss it. Jesus himself said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't like that verse. No, I don't. I don't like it. Honestly, because I, it's like, it's like I've lived even in radical faith, in radical pursuit of the spirit. I I have lived my life going, what's this line, God? I want to be absolutely radical, but I also want to be normal. I also want to just pay the bills and have fun and watch Netflix at night. And so many times people go, you know, lukewarm is so easy. But Jesus himself said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. So what does that mean in your life? I don't know. I am not talking about moving to Africa. And if you're thinking of it that way, you're missing it entirely. I'm not talking about that. I haven't even said that. I'm not talking about getting on a plane and selling everything. I am not talking about that. It is not about the actions, even though actions are important. It is about this. Do you actually believe He says, he says, my yoke is easy. And many of you, you're like, this thing's heavy. I took Christ on and I've lost everything. And this thing is heavy. It is heavy. It's heavy. And it's hard, Will. It's hard. This life you're talking about, that's not an easy life. I tried it. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I I challenge you to believe maybe you put on a yoke that wasn't his. Or maybe you put on a yoke which which is an instrument for work. Oxen are yoked to accomplish a task. And you yoke you yoked yourself with somebody else or some funky theology. But when Jesus is saying it's a yoke, it it is an image of two. Yoke yourself with the Holy Spirit. Yoke yourself with God. When he turns, you turn. When you turn, he turns. Are you guys alive? Is this too much? Let go. Let go. What, What do you have anyway? What is it? What do you have? Let go. This is the hardest thing to do in all of this. I believe letting go is the hardest thing. There's a reason why 11 men sat sat on a boat. There's a reason. I'm going to tell you, God said, let go, let go. You might not, you might not have the understanding. You might not have how it's going to work out. Jesus did not say, Hey, Peter. Come on out of that boat. Your feet are going to get super floaty, boy. The Bible doesn't go into how the miracle took place. Why? Because it doesn't matter. I bless you, girl. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Fire on our God. In the name of Jesus. The Bible doesn't go into how the miracle took place. It just said it happened. 
Because God doesn't want us to get caught up in how the miracle takes place. It's, it's not about whether Peter's feet got floaty or the ocean got hard or whether two mighty porpoises rose up from the depths and Peter stuck his big toes in their blowholes and like... <laughs> that didn't happen, by the way. But you guys are just staring at me. It doesn't go into it because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The how doesn't matter. What matters is this. Let go. Let go. I dare you to let go. What is it? What is it that's in your hands? What's in your hands? What's in your hands? What do you have? That's all that he wants. I bless you in the name of Jesus. What do you have? You are only responsible for what you have for the portion that you have been given. You are not responsible for my calling. You are not responsible for Heidi Baker's calling. You are not responsible for Randy Clark or whoever it is. What you are responsible for is what he has given you. Jesus comes to the disciples as they're mending their nets. And he says, hey, put out your boat into deep water and let those nets that you were just working on, let them down for a catch and this time put them deeper. He took what was in their hands. It was that moment. See, everybody's trying to pray themselves out. You're trying to pray yourself out into a new season, new thing, new this, new that. And Jesus goes, I've given you. It's already in your hands. How are you handling it? Are you obedient when I say put it out? Are you willing to put it out? What's in your hands? What has he given you already? It's perfect. When Jesus performed the multiple, are, are you guys alive? When Jesus performed the miracle of the multiplication of fish where the nets tore, he did not tell them to get new boats and new nets. He took men that were honoring what they already had. They were on the shore taking care of what they had. They weren't going, God, I just want to get out of here. God, I just want to do this. God, I want to go. No, they were, he, they were honoring and handling well what they had. I look at a congregation right here, right now. And all of you, you have something in your hands. Are you just trying to pray yourself out of it? And Jesus comes and he says, use those ropes and those nets. And then Jesus broke them. (laughs) Come on. Uh, Listen to me. Listen to me. You want to know if you're called into missions? He's going to break your nets. Hello? Come on. Come on. I know so many people are like, I'm called. And then they just destroy everything that God's given them. And then they go to another nation and destroy that. And they last maybe a year or two. But God never called them that. What's in your hands? Are you guys? Can I get the worship leader up here? Just because if I don't have it, I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not going to end. <laughs> You're like, please worship leader, get up there fast. <laughs> Do you love him? Not him. I mean, yes, I hope you love him. I'm talking about Jesus. I think that one was for you. <laughs> they really like you, man. Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Do you know who Jehovah Jireh is? Who's Jehovah Jireh? What? 
my provider. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Do you want to know, do you want to know the most amazing thing? Do you know how many times Jehovah Jireh is written down in the scriptures? Do you know? One time. One time. Jireh is only revealed once in scripture. Do you know when? It was as a father was getting ready to sacrifice everything that he loved the most in this world for the king. As he was standing over his son, getting ready to plunge a knife in radical obedience. And that's when Jireh manifests. Bang. And it was not to pay your cell phone bill. It was not to do your mortgage payment. Even though, yes, you can stretch it and make it fit that if you want to. Jireh was revealed in response to radical obedience. Radical obedience. That's when Jireh came. That's when Jireh came. And he provided a ram in the thicket. He provided a sacrifice. I'm going to tell you my prayer, my prayer is that you will make the greatest sacrifice for the king. That you, will, that you will make a sacrifice that is holy and pleasing unto him in obedience. I could go on for hours, but I'm not because it's Sunday. Can I share with you one quick scripture? And I think that this is the most beautiful because I love, I love the extremes, right? I love the boats and "Eh, it's a ghost. And and I also love the most simplistic. And for some of you guys who are like, man, that guy, he just came and he sweated everywhere and he said things that were weird. I'm going to give you a softer version that carries the exact same heart. You ready? John chapter six. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore, the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him. Why? Because they saw the miraculous signs he performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd of people coming toward him. He said to Philip, are you ready? Catch this. Jesus says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I want you to just catch one point in this. Two points. Jesus already knew what he wanted to do, but he stops and he sees what Philip is carrying. And he does this to test him. So here's the question. Do you guys know, you guys know Jehovah Jireh, right? Do you know Jehovah Sneaky? You don't? He's the sneakiest. The God who's sneaky. He asked this only to test him for it. He already had in mind what he wanted to do. So here's Jesus, right? Don't you dare think that Jesus plays fair. Honestly, like everybody loves the Jesus holding babies on his knee. But Jesus doesn't play fair. He says, where should we buy bread 
And Philip answered, Master, eight months wages. And he responds in the context that Jesus asked the question in. Think about this for a second. Jesus puts a question out about finance. Where shall we buy? And he goes, eight months wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And Peter responds, Simon Peter responds in the exact same context that Jesus asked the question. And he was wrong. (laughs) He was totally wrong. (laughs) He was absolutely wrong. I'm telling you, Jesus, he does not play fair. He wants to know what you're carrying. Where is your heart? Are you willing to talk about the kingdom or are you willing to act in the kingdom? Are you willing to talk about giving your life away, but doing it in context of the four walls? Or are you willing to go like lambs amongst wolves? You want to see revival? You want to see a missions movement? Go to the most dangerous. Go to the most dangerous in Ankeny. Go to the most dangerous in Iowa. Go to the most dangerous in the world. That's what he calls us into. And that's what we're made for. We're actually, we're actually made for this. When the spirit of God comes on us, the same spirit that rose Christ in the dead leaves in us, breathes in us, works in us, flows through us. We're designed by the creator for this. We're designed by the creator for this. And when we don't fulfill the thing that we're designed for, something doesn't feel right. And we start to try to figure it out. And, oh, well, God's not calling me to this. Or this is my calling, but that's their calling. And this is this. And, and we start categorizing. And we start blocking it all off. But all the disciples knew. And the, the 12 knew it. And the 70 knew it. That we're called to give our lives away. And nothing has changed. So for you, what does that look like? I'm going to tell you what it looks like right here. Philip answered, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy. Here's a boy. With five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother spoke up. He spoke up. He interrupted a conversation that Jesus was having with one. Because that person was missing it. And so he spoke up. He spoke up. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, whether you're Peter and standing up, whether you're, whether you're Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, or whatever it is, whether you're, whether you're, yeah, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, he's looking for those who speak up, who stand up. And go, I know what he's called me to. I know the cost that this thing takes. I know that my life is not my own. I know this. God, I have the answer. I have it. I have it because I've spent time with you, God. I've spent time with you and you've spoken to me and I know what you're calling me to. I know that this life isn't about normalcy. I know that it is about eight months wages. I know that you are God of the miraculous and you want to use me 
And I dare you, listen to me, Ankeny, I dare you, Heartland, I dare you to speak up. I dare you to stand up. I dare you to do it in Starbucks. I dare you to do it in your workplace. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to take this thing that has been freely given and do something with it. Here is a boy with a lunch, a nasty lunch, a nasty lunch, fish and bread. And, and, and what I love so beautifully about it, he goes, but how far will it go among so many? He just throws it out. It can't go far. And Jesus goes, that's perfect. It's just like, it's just like Peter. Lord, if it's you, you bid me to come. Here's some food, but how far? And Jesus goes, that is the faith I am looking for. That is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who's willing to take risk. And it might not make sense. It might not be pretty. It might be a stinky lunch. But I want that thing to be wholly given unto me. Wholly given unto me. I bless you up there in the name of Jesus. I just saw the hand of the Father being put on you too. I can't even see your faces. The lights are so bright. But I saw the hand of the Father over you guys. And I felt like you've been given a word to go. And I even feel like you've gone through training. But the Lord says that he's about to anoint you. And I felt like there was great, great sales coming around you. And I saw the hand of the Father just being put on your business. And I felt like the Lord said, watch what I do. Watch what I do in the realm of miraculous because you've given it over. And I felt like you even planted, you started it, you started it and you gave it over. You gave the first fruits and God is saying, because, (laughs) because you have been ones that have stepped out of the boat, I'm going to take you even further more Lord. What are you carrying? What's in your hand? This is not a message about finance. I would rather you put yourself in the offering plate, but whatever it is that's in your hand, give it over to the king. Give it over to the king. Give it over to the king. I can't tell you. I I get up in the morning and I open up the mail with that same heartbeat of going, God, we don't do anything. This has to be you. And we open it up and I watch people around the world, around America, little moms and and, and pop shops, and they, they pour out their offering into the Lord. And I sit there and I weep. I weep at the goodness of God. I weep at the goodness of God as I'm getting ready to let people go because we do not have money. We don't have money. And then the exact amount comes in, 100,000. I'll never forget when 100,000 came in. I was, I was five minutes away from making phone calls to let people go. I needed 100,000 that day. And the goodness of God, it's just like a, a note came in. I heard, the, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give this to you. And I just wept. I wept at the goodness of God. I am telling you, you are not, you are not out of this thing. You are not out of this commissioning. You are not out of this. And you hear his voice. You hear his voice. I did not know I was coming on a morning where this was happening. I did not know that until this morning. I did not know that. And, and I do not talk about finance. If you know me, if you follow my ministry, if you follow what I do, you know that. But I'm telling you, whatever is in your hands, take it and give it away. I don't care if it's your finance, if it's your life, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, pour it out unto the King of Kings and sow it into something. Sow your life into something that Jesus is calling you to. And if you can't do it, do it ever you can to give yourself for the advancing of the gospel on planet earth and as you do you will watch God break in in the most beautiful way you will watch God shake nations you will watch lives get transformed and set apart I don't know what's in your hands 
But the lie is when I give it away, whatever I give away, it's going to be removed from me. It's going to be removed from my account. It's going to be removed from my life. And I'm just saying goodbye to it. But no, no, that's the lie from the pit of hell. He, the boy has an option. He can hang on to his lunch and maybe feed his family. He can hang on to his lunch and feed himself. Or he can hand it over to the king of kings. Some of you, you've been holding on to your talents. You've been holding on to your life. Let go one more time. Well, Will, I'm scared. I'm nervous. How could you not be? How could you not be? If you're not scared, if you're not nervous, I would wonder what's actually going on inside of you. With great faith takes great risk. And Peter sees Jesus in a way that he does not like, that he does not know, that he does not understand. But he goes, I want to be with you more than I want to be with 11 men who talk a big game. And the boy hands his lunch over to Jesus. And Jesus takes it and he breaks it. Whatever you have, it has to be broken. And he gives thanks. Some of you, you just need to get broken again. And today, this morning, God wants to break you in the most beautiful way. He wants to break you as, as hardness, as, as, and, you, and you haven't done it on purpose. It's just life. It's just life. It's sickness and it's family and it's kids and it's husbands and wives and marriage and all of that stuff. And we set up walls and we forgot what it is to be broken. We forgot what it is to be that kid in front of a savior who goes, take everything that I have, God. Take all of me, God. Take it all. You can have it all. And, and I'm telling you, Heartland, God is asking you again, will you give it all? And I am not just talking about finance. I am not talking about that. I would rather you put your life in the bucket. But the reality is some of you, you actually, that's all you can do is so into it. And I'm going to tell you as one who sits on the other end, crying out with a team, fasting and praying for breakthrough. And I sit there and I weep at the goodness of God. I used to not acknowledge it. I used to honestly, I'm going to be really real right now. I'm going to be honest. I used to not value those who sowed more than ones who gave their life away. I really didn't. But this whole last three years, it shifted in my heart. I, I, I have sat with husbands and wives as, as, as they've been praying at the, at the dining room table in the morning saying, God, God, what would you have me do? And they're, and they're moms, they're, they're amazing moms and amazing husbands building an inheritance for their children's children. And they sit there and pray and the Holy Spirit goes, sow into this now. And they don't know, but a week and a half later, when that thing shows up, God is already prepared a way for that. And I go, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed. I had a 21-year-old girl just cut a $100,000 check. 21-year-old girl. And I sat there, and all I wanted to do was go, no, because in the natural, in the natural, I try to make sense. And she goes, Will, why are you telling me no? The king of kings has said, yes. I even battle with this thing. I battle. For me, it's easier to give my life. I will, I will take a gun to the head any day. And, I, and I'll tell anybody, it's harder. This, it's more challenging for me as a minister to talk about finance. In fact, I never do it. I don't have a message on it. But I'm telling you right now, right now, as you give yourself, as you give yourself, 
Whatever it is, let him have all of it. And as one from, from the age of 17 years old up into this point, who has, who has gone around the planet hungry to see this revival go out, hungry to see the gospel go out, who has sat on the receiving end of the most amazing believers. I can't even begin to tell you. I can't even begin to tell you. There's people here in this room that have called me the moment I have, I have medical bills for my wife, thousands of dollars in medical bills go, just send me your account information. I'll take care of whatever's on the account. Like there's people in here and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. That is one of the most holiest moments that I've had with God. And I'm, and if you can't do it yourself, I challenge you in the most beautiful way. This year, this year, missions is not a side thing. It is the advancing of the gospel around this planet. And if God personally isn't calling you as one who gives his life and runs with hundreds and hundreds of people who do, I honor that gift. I honor, I honor that calling. And it is a calling from God. And I break any lie that says it's not. I honor that calling today. I honor that businessman. I honor that calling. I honor that, 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 that one who, who plows and builds and hears the voice of the God to develop and strategize plans, who takes people out of poverty, gives them jobs. I honor you. I honor those who build houses that people spent years crying out, God, just give me a house, God. And, and somewhere God's speaking to you and he's saying, Hey, I want you to build this and this and this. And you, I honor that. I honor. And I say that you hear his voice just as clearly as anyone else. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.